Wife, mother, spy. We are the SpyFi guys, and this is Fair Game. Hello, and welcome back to the SpyFi guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. I'm Christian. And welcome back to our normal episodes. Yeah, it was weird to hear our regular theme song again after an entire summer of, you know, having our very cool other theme song. That's right. The swinging 60s summer is over and it's time to get back to reality. Back to an era that, how much do you remember about I remember a lot about this. I didn't remember this story specifically, but I... I remember story but yeah i don't i don't remember all the details from that time but having read about it in more recent times and watched the movie and met valerie plame i remember quite a bit of this so had you seen this movie before this week yeah like i kind of just sort of dropped that oh that i met valerie plame um mm-hmm. there was a thing at the spy museum where i met her but prior to that uh, my wife carolyn has been on the show before realized oh you know we should probably if we want to know know more about her we should probably watch the movie so we did i see so yes we've hit the ball long enough the movie is called fair game yes which if you've tuned in and lasted this long good for you because i must say that's a rather boring title for a movie there are also other movies with that same title i believe so or at least books that's why it's boring it could describe any movie almost except for the quote comes in later on because which i didn't remember from the first time i watched it Mm-hmm. So when it got there, it was like, oh, all right, that makes sense. But it takes, you know, what, an hour and 10 minutes into the movie for them to actually have, drop the quote. Yeah, it's that charming thing they used to do in movies where you work the title of the movie into a line of dialogue. Yeah, the James Bonds are infamous for it. The most egregious being when they try to work a view to a kill in, into the actual movie. Mm, that's probably the hardest. But we're not here to talk about a view to a kill. We're here to talk about fair game. All right. So here is the IMDb plot summary. CIA operative Valerie Plame discovers her identity is allegedly leaked by the government as payback for an op-ed article her husband wrote criticizing the Bush administration. That's a pretty good summary. So when we get into it, we're in Kuala Lumpur. We see Naomi Watts' character, yeah. who introduces herself as Jessica McDowell, but of course we know that she's Valerie Plame. Yeah, and she's a lady boss or a girl boss, if you will. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't get that vibe. I didn't get that vibe at all. I just got all right. She's an executive for a chemical company. She's meeting with this other executive. The executive's nephew is there, and he comes off as kind of an ass. Yeah, I thought he was going to be in the movie more. This is I'm like, okay that he wasn't. Right, I know, but this is like a James Bond like cold opening where it, yeah. it's kind of disconnected from the rest of the movie, except that it introduces our main character. And I'm I, I was good with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's fine, but I like that we see spy stuff here. Yeah. He says, are you American? She says, I'm Canadian. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Toronto. Notice Toronto. The said, I, I yeah. also noticed that, yeah. Uh-huh. And then he tests her. He's like, so how about them hockey teams? <laughs> and she knows the answer. Apparently, if you're a spy, you can't just say, oh, I'm not into hockey. Especially if you're Canadian. There must be Canadians that aren't into hockey. Uh, I'm sure there are. Anyway, so... The executive can't meet with Valerie, but invites her to a private a party at her private at his private residence. So he go, she goes, gets in the car with a nephew, and they're driving to the party. Two other a car in front and then back. I think, or is it just one car in front? I, I don't remember. You know, she says that she wants him to turn on his uncle, who's involved with someone who's going trying to build a bomb. And yeah, there's is this, I don't know if we're gonna do a microdot episode about him because I looked him up on Wikipedia and it seems yeah. really like, complicated. But oh, this okay. guy Khan, as in like the Wrath of Khan, was okay. a godfather of pakistani's like nuclear weapons program i think and he was like a proliferator like he like sold all sorts of technology to all sorts of countries so he's a little bit infamous in that world but i think that's who they're talking about yeah here's the part that got me like she threatens his brother says your brother will be dead it's like whoa are are Mm -hmm. you threatening to kill his brother or is it like yeah that's how the game gets played it's like Zero Dark Thirty. Actually, a lot of stuff in this movie reminded me of Zero Dark Thirty. Okay, I'm sure it's just an, it's an empty threat. Okay, and then we go to credits. Yeah, so the credits are like Bush talking, Carl Rove talking, Dick But Cheney did you recognize talking. the music? The music? This brought me yeah, back oh, to high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Clint Eastwood by the Gorillaz. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh, I like, sang along to every line. I was like, wow, I can't believe I remember all of this still. It's a weird, yeah. it definitely brought you back to that time, but it's a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Like, of all the music, you, you're going to use that. 
we get transported to the war on terror immediate uh, yes. post 9-11 world in which the alert device... ratings yeah anthrax scares the whole kitten caboodle yeah and we go to dc and it is 10 yep less than a month after 9-11 so they're in a bar which i recognize the name of you it's, this is in georgetown apparently taj of india there's a few in virginia so I, like one not too far from me so i was like, I was like oh wait is that that's not the one over no yeah they're drinking and someone grabs a big armful of rolling rocks only the best for our main characters of this movie <laughs> not just someone uh that is joe wilson isn't it well you see the arms before you uh, see the face yeah. So Joe Wilson, who's Valerie's husband, and we don't really learn he is a former ambassador until much later, but we'll just address it right here. He's a former ambassador. Also, is it just me, or does he look a lot older than Naomi Watts? Yeah, there's an age gap, but I think there is also an age gap in real life. Yeah. Um, let's find out. Let's see. So Joe Wilson was born in 1949. Valerie also hard <laughs> was born in 1963. So yes, that's probably about the right age gap. Also, preview for fact versus fiction, both of them had been married before to other people. True, true. They're talking with some some of their friends, discussing post-9-11 flying. Mm-hmm. I was like, would you take your kids to Disneyland? And then Joe gives this a very anti-Disneyland response. He like doesn't like Disneyland anyway. So there's all kinds of speculations about, yeah. like, will our lives change in this new world? And one of their friends has, like, a hypothetical question about like racial profiling which oh, i remember was a big issue back then that one, was... one of the points he makes is like if the two hypothetical people that he suspects are terrorists are wearing turbans yeah which, which... no self-respecting terrorist would ever wear a turban it's too obvious also there are many other cultures besides muslims who wear turbans and mm-hmm. that was a whole thing post 9-11 like i had not direct friends but friends with relatives who are um, trying to remember what the Sikhs? Yeah, Sikhs. Yes, thank you. Who were Sikhs and like just all the terrible stuff they had to go through. I'm like, this brought me back to that era in a terrible way. Like, I just remembering, like, and I'm just, you know, I'm just dropping here. People who say, who say, oh, post 9 11, everyone's America came together and we didn't care about everything and everything was, you know, we all really came together the country, except for when you freaking had all the anti Muslim, anti anyone with brown skin. I lived through that. I remember that. It's complete bullshit. So don't give me none of that. The white people came together. Yeah. Among one another. I don't know if you've read In the Shadow of No Towers, which is by Art Spiegelman, the guy who did Mouse. Okay, yeah. So it's obviously not as well known as Mouse, but you might want to check it out. He talks about a lot of 9-11 related things, and this is one of them. So this was really interesting, but the movie as a whole isn't really about that. It's more just about this specific story. So Joe gets riled up by this. You can tell, like, as as he's hearing this, he gets Mm -hmm. riled up. And you see him turn the guy, so, whatever your name is, let me tell you. And then it just, we don't see the argument. Yeah, we just hear about it later. Yeah. Also, during this whole part is also when someone asks Valerie what she does, she gives him, says, oh, I work in venture capital. It's really boring, actually. Right. It reminds me of... Oh, Your favorite guy, Ethan Hunt, in Mission Impossible, one of them, talking about how he works in traffic control. And actually, I did think about that. Uh-huh. The difference here is that Valerie says it's boring, whereas mm. Ethan, when he does this, he goes into so much detail that someone gets bored. And yeah. I think there's a difference in, ter- in, ter- in tone. Like, if I was to do this, I would do the Ethan, and not just because it's Ethan, but I like, <laughs> because you know it so much, like, and just show that you know it, even though it's like, no one really cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, one would hope that where you work, you would find it interesting. Right. And it also seems more believable. So moving on here, the next scene is they're in their house, and Valerie has having like a nightmare. Yeah. She's like crying out in her sleep, and you see scars on well, like bruises on her, on her arm. Yeah, I wasn't Something. sure what that was. We didn't. I know we don't really get an explanation for it. Like I was like, because I know it. Like in, when they were in the car together with the nephew. He grabs her arm, but not enough to like to leave a bruise or anything. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is like character building, which all, I forgot to mention this. When Joe like goes off on the guy, oh yeah, that is setting up that he is like a guy who thinks what he thinks and is willing to share it. Yep. <laughs> no matter the consequences, which is what we get later. So it's like establishing his personality. It's good character building. So we get to CIA HQ, which we've I, I appreciated quite a few times. that they didn't uh, do the seal thing. They just I, they show the outside. And then they go right into her office, right into the cubicles. 
Yes, they yeah. do show the seal later. Yeah. We'll talk about it. I was, I, was gonna, I, was gonna, I was gonna wait for it. Yeah. So she works in counter proliferation, which is yeah. not a field we see that much. Mm-mm. And we meet her boss, who's played by Doug from House of Cards. <laughs> so what was his name? His name was Jack, right? Michael yeah. Kelly. Uh huh. I feel like he's always in this kind of role because he's in the second season of Jack Ryan as well, in this sort of like CIA op- advisory role. Yeah, with a little bit of a questionable past, who's willing to get his hands dirty. And we also meet, is it, I don't remember his character, but he's the neighbor from the Americans. And you would recognize him if you saw him. And so we find out that the nephew called the cleaner and they got some intel from him. She's told by her boss to shut it down. But she gives him some info, says that nuclear material could be moving to an unnamed Gulf state. And he's like, could it be Iraq? Is he like, no, it can't be Iraq because there's one Shia, the other Sunni, and obviously the two don't get along. Mm -hmm. We find out her boss is putting her as the head of operation for a joint task force on Iraq. Wait, I I have a quick question before (laughs) we go there. Trivia question. Do you know the difference between Sunnis and Shia Islam? I did at one point. I do not remember right now, actually. Okay, so Shias believe that Muhammad's son is like the rightful inheritor of his position, and Sunnis believe it was his lieutenant. Really? That's the big difference? That's the difference. And the way you remember that is Sunni kind of sounds like son, but then it's reversed. Oh, okay. So the Shia... Shia is son, Sunni is not son. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. I hope I remember that correctly. Write in at the SpyFi guys if I got it wrong, but I don't think I did. So she's going to be on that joint task force. But we also find out that this is all coming from across the river, which means the White from House. D.C., from the White House. And so we get this line, down the line, DFU. Colleague goes, DFU? Don't fuck up. Well, they want dirt on Iraq and they want it bad. That's yep. the note that I have. Yep. And then we see Roy from the office bringing in a bunch of papers or boxes of like files on Iraq for, for Valerie. Yeah, so they've been digging. Wasn't he also in Zero Dark Thirty as like one of the SEAL Team 6 guys? There were a lot of SEAL Team 6 people, so maybe. But I you gotta so. like how he goes from the office and paper to more paper. <laughs> All right, got it. Yeah. So we see, we have, we go back to Joe. He's in bed alone. Valerie is still in the office. And her colleague wa- wants her eyes on something. Wants her to ask if Joe could look into something. Asks her to write up a recommendation. Which will come in important you, you, later. Yeah, did they specify what exactly was happening at this part? Yeah, apparently this that, part is like really important. Like the whole movie like hinges on it. Yep. But at the time, I didn't really grasp the importance of it. Yeah, yeah. At this point, we don't know that he's a former ambassador. So, but she says, "Oh, he has connections in the area. Yeah, sure, he can do it." Like we don't really get spelled out to us. Actually, a lot of times in this movie, we don't get a lot of things spelled out. Like we see people looking at port or something, and then like two scenes later, we we'll find out what's in the report. Mm-hmm. This is when we get the seal, yeah, as you mentioned. And the stars. And the wall, uh, yes. Yeah. And it is 21902. Yep. Basically, he gets briefed, and they're like, we think some yellow cake, as you may recall from Get Smart. We discussed <laughs> right, the I did think about that. that. We think it was sold in Iraq from Niger. Or, I'm sorry, Niger. Niger. Yes. Not to be confused with Niger or Niger. Right. Joe has connections there from his time as ambassador. And they wanted to, to look into it. And then we find out that this request came from the VP's office. Mm-hmm. And he talks to the people there. Yeah. And there's a part where he's in his hotel room and the water is like green. Yep. Ultimately, and- though, he's like, it's impossible to move that much material without somebody noticing. There's always a paper trail. Yeah. And he said, most importantly, that like the amount that they're looking for was, was 500 tons. It was like four, it's like 400 tons, yeah. Okay. Would account for a 40% increase in their annual output. So there's no way that that could have happened without people knowing. Yes. That's the bottom line result. Yeah. So back in DC, or back in Langley, more specifically, in the Iraq Joint Task Force meeting, there's a discussion of aluminum tubes. And this mm-hmm. guy, what was his name? Joe Turner. We don't know where he's from, do we? I assume that he's from like the VP's office. Yeah, there's a lot of people flying around. A yeah, lot but of this guy positions. specifically, like, we don't, we don't know where he's from, but he's, like, pushing this agenda about the aluminum tubes being used for nuclear... Uh, enrichment. Enrichment, thank you. I think they say something else, the movie gets it wrong, but what they mean is enrichment. But, like, everyone else on that task force is saying, no, these actually match more for what's used for Iraqi artillery. 
And then the guy's like, have you seen these tubes? No, no. See, the problem is no one, none of you have seen these tubes. I have. Like, and then, of course, Valerie, like, raised her hands. Like, I've seen these tubes. I see, I've seen these tubes when we intercepted them and delivered them to you guys. Hmm. And the guy's like, well, are you a nuclear expert? And she's like, no, I'm not. But this guy who I did, who I had consulted on, says that they're twice as long as the tubes that you're talking about and three times as thick, so they don't fit. Yes. Again, we see the White House wants something, yep. and the CIA yep. isn't giving it to them, and now we've got a problem. He comes back home to Virginia, and then he has a meeting, like dinner at their house with a couple of CIA guys, and gives a report saying that he does, doesn't think that the sale could have happened. Right. Now that we've officially, he's officially given the report, he thinks it's over. Valerie tells him, oh, well, you know, they'll send someone else just to verify everything. And Joe's like, why do you need to do that? I just went there and said it. It's fine. So again, yes. he's kind of like, it's all about me. A little <laughs> yeah. bit. He has sort of an inflated understanding of his own importance. What do you think that's a I, reasonable I, I would thing say to that. Say? I would sh- feels like a very Sean Penn thing. <laughs> <laughs> is Sean Penn in real life, too? Yeah, Doesn't he, yeah. he kind of have a lot of opinions in real life? I yeah, this, which is why I think this was good casting and also just gives like any predispositions we have about Sean Penn are transferred into this character, but actually makes it work for him. Absolutely. So anyway, can we talk about the, the election? Yeah, yeah. So Joe's working from home to take care of the kids because Valerie's got to go abroad. She goes uh-huh. into a school and meets with this professor, poses a Dr. Harper. Yes. But we find out that this professor worked in the weapons program in Iraq. And of course, yes. he denies it, but she wants to get names of his colleagues. Mm-hmm. Well, he worked on the Osirak nuclear reactor. Right. And are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. So it was a reactor in Iraq. You know, the usual, just like Iran today, Iraq is like, it's for peaceful purposes. Other people are like, it's for weapons. But the Israelis flew their air force around Saudi Arabia to bomb it. Oh. And, and flew all the way back around. Okay. And if there's ever a movie that covers it, that would be a good thing to cover. But one of the pilots who flew that was yeah. a guy named Elon Ramon. Okay. Who was an astronaut who died in the Columbia space shuttle. Oh, disaster. right. I remember him. Yeah. Wow. What year was that? 2001? I really don't remember when it happened. So we go back to D.C. We see that the OVP, which is the office of the vice president, is mm-hmm. at Langley. We meet Scooter Libby, who's chief of staff to the VP. And, and a, a very recognizable name, I think, for people who follow yeah. the news at all. Like, I recognize his name, but I didn't remember what the deal was with him. Uh, so he meets with Roy from the office, who I don't know to get forget his character's name or if he has a name, but I'm just so I'm just gonna call him Roy from the office. Mm-hmm. And uh, as this is going on, Valerie's boss goes to like meet with people who are higher up than him, saying, "What's the deal? What's going on? Mm-hmm. OVP's never here unless they're cutting a ribbon." <laughs> yeah, they they tend to be pretty hands off, but yeah. unless they want something, right. which they do. Yes. Yes. So Valerie goes to see Dr. Zahari, who's a sister of one of the Iraqi scientists that she got from the other guy. Yeah, this was like pure spy stuff. Spy stuff. She's like recruiting an asset. I like this. This is good. Yeah. There's the line where Valerie says to, what was her name? I'm sorry. Uh, Dr. Zahari. Or just, I think Zahari. Zahari. Okay. She says to Zahari, do you trust me? And Zahari says, I don't trust you at all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is fair yeah but yeah. but the way i guess she ultimately convinces her because valerie says we are going to war and you don't want your brother to be caught in the middle of it right i guess she can see which way the wind is blowing yeah i mean i feel like at this point i don't know if the world in general but i think the intelligence service has already had that idea and well, i think it's, their job to know. it's cemented by this next part where bush makes a statement about iraq now later on we get mention of these 16 words do you yeah. Is this this that, or is that later on? Okay, it says in is January 2003, State of the Union. Okay, so it's a State of the Union, so it's not here. This is just this him is making here, a statement later. about, yeah. Okay. All right, so we'll, we'll save those for when we get to that point then. So one of the CIA higher-ups, I don't remember which one, may have been Jack, may have been, was the other one's name Paul? I don't know. Something. Bill, maybe Bill, who knows. <laughs> one of them talks to Scooter Libby and tries to see what's going on. It was like trying to figure out which way you want us to play this. Uh, Libby states that, you know, Iraq was close to a nuke in 1991 before the invasion. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you, you expect me to believe that they were close then? That was, you know, 10 years ago. You know, not going to be close now. And Valerie is briefing one of her bosses about the list of scientists. 
she wants to get them all out and her bosses don't think they can like get maybe one or two if you give them two months but all what was it i don't remember how many mm -hmm. like 19 or something like that yeah well she says if we don't get them somebody else will they're just going to run to some other country <laughs> like china or pakistan mm -hmm. which is really what all like anti uh, or counter counter proliferation is all about right is making sure that we can't you know that we prevent other people from proliferating nuclear weapons yeah but what's interesting is that it usually refers to technology and information That's not people. so much people yeah interesting but yeah. it has a precedent in world war ii with all the nazi scientists right operation paperclip yeah. right all right so we go back to their home valerie is leaving really early but joe sees her they have this talk i like this line where like she's leaving post-it notes about you know every, every time she has to go somewhere whether she not, they need child care and mm. he says like the fridge is like a dead letter drop yeah, he says something like, I never know where you are and if you're alive or dead. And she yeah. says, I have a post-it note that says where I am. Now, this is interesting because usually it's like the woman who's worried about her man going off into danger. Yeah. Also, I, I like that he acknowledges like, uh, he's like, oh, my God, I sound like, uh, I don't want to sound like this, but that's how I feel. I was like, I, you know, I appreciate his honesty. Well, it's domestic troubles that we've seen in Breach and in many other places. <laughs> yes, yes. And she's like, his responsibility, I don't even know where you're going. And she's like, I'm going to Cleveland. It's on a post-it note. Of course, the next scene is in Amman. So she was clearly lying to him. So she's briefing uh, Zahari. And they try to give her like this pen that has invisible ink. Yeah, do you like the and gadgets? Real life I gadgets. I did, but I also liked how she said, basically, if they catch me with any of this, they're going to kill me and my brother. Probably then, would be worse than just kill her, too, she says. Yeah. But she also shows that she's really good at memorizing stuff. Because she's a doctor. There's 200, what'd she say, 206 bones in the body, and I can name all of them in English, Latin, other languages. Yeah, English, Latin, and Arabic, she says. Arabic, that's right. Yeah, but she also asked them, how do you lie to someone? To which Valerie says, know why you're doing it. Which reminds me, I think I've told you this story before, oh. of when the Spy Museum had like the party with the spies night. Oh, yeah. And I asked a spy that question. He said, what you have to do is convince yourself in that moment that it's true. Right, yeah. It's much more practical advice, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> you lie to yourself before you lie to the other guy. So the sister goes, flies back to Iraq. Valerie watches her as at the airport as she leaves. And mm -hmm. then we get Valerie on a treadmill watching some news, watching Condoleezza Rice on the news talking about aluminum tubes. Right. How did and that happen? Jack calls her. Apparently, someone in the OVP leaked the report about the tubes, and it's all over the news now. Like they're all using the same talking point, so it's a coordinated leak. Yes. And then we get a dinner party at the Wilsons' home, and one of the guests is talking about the tubes. Yeah, Ty Burrell from Modern Family is there. Yeah, I was about to say that he's also in the Dawn of the Dead remake and in Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Yeah, so he's around. And this is where we get all the wrong information about the tubes and yeah. how they work. I remember crap like this happening. of just people thinking they've seen a news report and they're, now they're suddenly experts on nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. Ty Burrell does bring up this point of like, it's all a pretext. 50% mm -hmm. of Americans think that Saddam blew up the towers. But then he goes too, a step too far and says he's not a threat. Yeah, or he's not dangerous yeah. and whatever. And then Wilson calls him out. Or I'm sorry, Joe calls him out. Yeah. He's, I guess he says he's met Saddam, which was interesting. Yeah, so we find out later on that mm. he's met Saddam and that he was uh, like the last dip U.S. diplomat to meet Saddam Hussein. So this is something interesting. Yeah. I know I'm going off topic, but I recently okay. read the autobiography by Christopher Hitchens. Do you know who okay. he is? Mm -hmm. So he, in his later years, was very in support of the Iraq war. And it wasn't because of WMD. He was basically like... The Iraqi regime is a terrible thing and the world is better off without it and the U.S. can get rid of it. So let's go and do it. Which I almost thought that was where Wilson was going to go right. in this part and he doesn't. But I think it was more yeah. about Saddam not being a thug. I, I don't, th I don't think yeah. he was riled up about the, you know, everything else, which is uh, Ty Burrell's character had a point about how it is a pretext and they're doing this because they want to do this, not because of the tubes or whatever. Yes, exactly. But I think it was, yeah, when, it, when he diminished Saddam's threat level. Basically, that's when Joe went off. It's a little bit of black and white thinking, yeah. right? Which, of course, will always be here. It's certainly true today, where if you don't want a war in Iraq, you have to play down the threat that Iraq poses. Yeah. 
you have to think binary. But I guess maybe what I'm saying is I would watch a movie that's just dinner parties at their house. <laughs> talking about they stuff. seem like really interesting dinner parties. <laughs> yeah. So we go back to doc, uh, Dr. Zahari. She actually goes to go see her brother, meets his yep. family. She's bringing gifts, like photos of her family. Nice and, gifts. Like, a Nerf football. Oh, I missed that. I didn't see Not that. the knockoff cool. stuff. The good but stuff. The real... Like, brand name. Brand name. Wow. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And so she goes to talk to her brother after dinner. Hamed, uh, who's her brother, says mm-hmm. that the program was completely destroyed in the 90s. And that he and he's like super incredulous. Like, they have to know this. They know this. They're sending you here to get this information. They know that it's gone. And so this is where we get another one of those scenes where Valley sees a report. And we don't get to see what's in the report until later when she talks to her higher ups and say, they need to see this. Mm-hmm. And this is where Joe is speaking at, at a lecture hall where it's like mostly empty. And like I noticed, like it's you know it's some students, but even like older folks too. So it's not like it's very popular. Yeah, isn't he giving a lecture about just his experiences as an ambassador? Yeah, and I this is where we talk about where we, where we hear that he had like was the last one to meet with Saddam, and like I think he dealt with a hostage situation, and he like mm-hmm. did this thing where he like had a photo of himself with like with a noose around his neck and said, "If I'm gonna." If Saddam's going to kill me, kill me, I'm going to bring my own rope. Okay, so there's more character stuff here, which yeah. I did not pick up on at first. So okay. he's like a showboater. Yeah. Okay, he likes being dramatic. But also, this audience is small and yeah. boring. Yeah. So I think maybe you could do a directorial choice where Joe looks kind of disheartened that there's so few people there to see him. Because it contrasts with later, after he makes his statement, and suddenly there's this huge crowd there to see him, and right. they're all really pumped. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We get the end of that scene, and we go to Valerie telling her superiors that there's no weapons program, and that someone has been cherry picking raw data and leaking to the press as fact. Mm -hmm. That's right. Somebody says the White House is getting stovepiped. Do you remember this? Yes, I don't remember what that means. The movie doesn't really use stovepiping accurately, and my understanding, it's where. Two intel agencies are both working the same problem, but they don't talk to one another. Okay. So the classic example of that is 9-11 in right. the series in the book, The Looming Tower. They each had pieces of it, but because they weren't talking to one another, they failed. Yeah, that's not quite what's going on here. What's going on here is that the, the White House wants a result mm-hmm. and is making the intelligence agencies give them that result, something that will get that result. Yeah. Somebody says Saddam is a monster. And then I think this is where we get the State of the Union address with the 16 words that okay. have become so infamous. So actually, I just looked up stovepiped. And so there's a different interpretation where it's you transmit information directly through the levels of a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So it's basically they're pushing down their agenda all the way up, down. Oh, I, I wonder, if, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those terms that like has a bunch of different. Probably, meanings. yeah. Get both Valerie and Joe's attention. For Valerie, mm. he mentions the aluminum uh, tube. Yeah, he investigated before. Or yeah. Jer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so there we see Zahari's mm-hmm. colleagues uh, come to the house. Yes. And are like, he tells them that the Americans said they can get us out, but you know, they don't know whether they trust him because obviously they're bobbing. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Ahmed also like the next day goes out and sees it. And so Joe is back at home. He's watching the news. He's rewinding the part from the uh, State of the Union on, like, you know, 2002 technology of, like, QuickTime, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. But where he where Bush mentions the yellow cake from Africa, mm. he calls a friend of the State Department to see if he's referring specifically to, to Niger. And, like, his contact says, oh, it's definitely from Niger. It was like, oh, so I see Jer- uh, Joe's doing the pronunciation of this friend from state is not right again i didn't realize how important this was when it was happening but joe thinks he has all the pieces together because yeah. he, he went to niger no uranium sale bush says there was a uranium sale ergo ipso facto bush lied people died that's yeah. the theory yeah. and he writes an op-ed saying that yep so we cut to the white house they see his op-ed was new york times right yeah see a press briefing with press secretary Oh, he's yeah. getting questions about the yellow cake. And it's like and he's brutal. Like, yeah, he is. The press secretary does not know what to say, doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, we've seen some tough press conferences recently, but that's like the worst one I've ever seen. Scooter Libby meets with Carl Rove, and mm-hmm. Carl Rove says, you know, we need to change the story. 
I'm like, who is Joe Wilson? Cooter Libby goes to talk to someone. I don't know who this guy was supposed to be, really. Was is he Richard Novak, the guy who ended up writing Maybe. it? I don't know. I guess I don't so. think so. Well, he could mm-hmm. be. But he asked you know, if a CIA officer sends their spouse overseas, would there be a paper trail? I was like, yeah, it has to go up the chain of command. So yeah, there'd be a paper trail. Mm-hmm. And it said, could the president get these things declassified? Yeah, technically the president can declassify anything they want to at any time, in yeah. my understanding. Joe wakes up Valerie with the newspaper and sees that she's been outed as CIA. Mm-hmm. And so she drives into headquarters and like also like looks at her neighbors and like wondering, is, do they know? Uh, am I outed to my neighbors as well? Uh, and she, she also asks, does this air, it, like, does this broadcaster, not broadcast, what's the publish internationally? Does it run overseas? Yeah. Which I always thought was silly because as we talked about in Bridge of Spies, enemy nations read our newspapers. Yeah. Uh, so she like starts going through this list in her head of all her people she's interacted with covertly when she mm-hmm. was undercover, and she goes to see one of her higher ups. It's not someone we've seen before, so I don't know who this was. It looks like they're going to fire her. Uh, right? Is that the impression you got? Yes. Okay. When, when, like I, the kind of heavy set guy was following her around. So hold on, hold on to that for a second. Okay. So what I got, like I could see in her eyes, she thought she was going to be helped by the CIA. And then as soon as she realizes internal security is there, she's like, oh, crap, I'm not going to get any help whatsoever from them. And I think having this be someone we haven't, or at least not that I recall, have seen yet before that -hmm. she's talking to sort of drives home that as well. Like, she's not talking with Jack or I think the other guy's name is Bill. She's talking to someone completely new. So it's like, why is this guy dealing with She's like, no, but I've got all these operations in play. I've got to brief people. And she's like, no, finish your list. Do nothing else. She even gets followed when she says she needs to use the restroom, but of course she's not actually trying to use the restroom. She says like ditches her security to go see Jack. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and Jack says that all of her ops have been suspended. Mm-hmm. And, he says, yeah, "quote It's over." Yeah, you were a good officer, but it's over. And so we go to Hamed's family, who's waiting for their pickup, which is supposed to happen like to that day. And but we see them just waiting and then saying they'll come soon. So Valerie gets home. Joe's on the phone, people, like her friends are calling. Joe decides the best idea is to just go on TV. Yeah, Joe decides to double down and keep yeah. uh, keep blowing the whistle, one might say. Is that an accurate yeah. way to describe what's happening? Sure. And he says that what's happening to him was a shot across the bow to any of those other analysts. We'll drag your family through the mud if you just come out with this information. So Valerie... Tells this friend that it's all true that she got recruited out of high or right out of college. She went to go see them. They didn't recruit her. Yes. It's like, what do you want to try to do to do like live a nor- your normal life? And she's realizing I can't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. At least yeah. not in the area where people are really tuned into. The right. Movie. She goes to pick up her kids, and then while Joe is on all these various TV programs. Valerie mm-hmm. gets a really threatening phone call. Yes. Which says, your husband's a communist, and I hope you die, commie whore. Jeez. Yeah. It's not the only one. She says they've been getting them um, Every lot. day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, late at night, and she gets a knock on her door, mm-hmm. and it's Zahara. She said that Hamed has disappeared, and, like, her colleagues have, some have been found dead in the streets, and please just, I don't need to know where he is. Just tell me that you have him. And she's like, and Valerie said, we don't have him. But you promised. I think what Valerie says is, I don't know if they have him. Oh. The impression is that they gave up on him, but she's not in the CIA anymore, so she doesn't actually know. True, true. So she goes over to Jack's house, and Jack is basically just like, not your problem anymore. We learned that a guy named Richard Novak gave up the source. When did we learn that? I just have a note around here somewhere. Okay. It's mentioned. It's not given a big notice. No, it's not. It must have been when, uh, oh, I think it was probably, oh. This is when Scooter Libby and Carl Rove meet again and look over some yeah, reports. I think, and I think so. yeah, it's in those reports. But unless you're reading it really quickly, you don't, you're not going to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, it becomes more relevant later in Spy yeah. Factor versus Fiction. Yeah. So Joe is basically going on tour, speaking at lectures, crowded lectures. Yeah. And they're so happy to see him. <laughs> and he just seems to love it. This is kind of what oh, I was yeah. mentioning earlier, yeah. where he loves being in the spotlight. After one of these big events, uh, Joe calls Valerie, tells her that John Afcroft, who was at the time well, uh, Attorney General, mm-hmm. is starting an investigation. And then when he's in the car, 
he gets a call from Chris Matthews. <laughs> yeah, Chris Matthews is a very distinctive voice. So that was really him? Oh, I don't know. Or someone oh, yeah. doing an impression of him, right. I would think. Who says that he just heard from Carl Rove, who said that Wilson's wife is fair game. So and there's a title drop. The movie. Yep. So it's scary because they have very powerful enemies, and I think yeah. they say that. Uh-huh. Where he's like, I think he says they're the most powerful men in the world, the people in the White House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Valerie says that, actually. It's yeah, somebody said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the DCI, or yeah, Director of Central Intelligence, meets with Valerie. They're meeting on, I was like, at first, I, like, I missed it the first time. I was like, oh, that's Washington Monument there. So they're on the mall mm-hmm. meeting. And he goes and says, like, I appreciate your, or the agency appreciates your silence. And this is where she mentions that she gets death threats like daily. And mm-hmm. that she went to the agency to like to ask for protection, but she was denied because it's outside of our budgetary restrictions or something. Some yeah, bureaucratic something like bullshit. That. Yeah. So at this point, it wasn't really clear like where the story is going to progress to. Yeah. I was but wondering. Basically, the DCI was there to try to tell Valerie or to ask Valerie to get Joe to stop. Yeah, make this go away. Yeah. In, in movie parlance terms. So back at home, Joe says someone from Vanity Fair called. They want to do a full photo shoot and an interview. And Valerie's just tired of this. Well, and she can't take the pressure. Is the yeah. impression that's the impression that I got from this part? Uh, my impression of her was that she was just she just wanted this all to stop. She was just like she was tired, and she thinks Joe's out there making it worse. Mm-hmm. They started yelling at each other in this part. And this is where Joe starts shouting, saying, really loud, if I'm shouting, if I'm shouting louder, does that make me be right? Does that make the White House right if they're shouting louder than us? We have got to fight this. It's like, okay, dude, I get it, but you don't have to yell at our our protagonist. (laughs) Thank you. Apparently, the Senate Intelligence Committee finished their report, and he goes, look at page 39. But of course, we don't get to see what's on page 39 yet, because... We've got to wait. Like I said, there's so many times where they do this thing. It's it's like in Star Trek, any time where it's like, I think you better take a look at this, and they cut to commercials. <laughs> yeah. Captain, I think you better get down here. Yeah. We see uh, Joe and Valerie at a playground, and Joe showing Valerie the report. Page 39 has Valerie's recommendation, which her boss, Jack, had asked her to write up about Joe. Well, which, hold on there. Yeah. Was it a recommendation? Because the, the wording is very specific it's here. Not, okay, no. It's what Joe calls it. That's what everyone calls it. Yeah, but it's even not if that's not what it was. It's just basically, it's like a reference. Just mm-hmm. saying, it's a memo stating his, his capability. Yeah. Credentials, yeah. And she even says, like, I've written up hundreds of these of just people who are experts. Mm-hmm. The fact that your hus- my husband is not relevant in the writing. Yeah, but this is actually a kind of a smart move from the White House. And the fact that it was in the the intelligence report is yeah is damning to joe at least not not in the actual sense of court of law mm-hmm. but in the court media law well actually i guess i'm a little bit confused about why exactly it was such a problem for him is it- because he was going out there saying that my wife didn't recommend me to do this i didn't get this job because my wife's a cia agent or CIA officer. oh so it's like if he lies about one thing. thing he'll lie about something else is the idea yeah, yeah. Okay. Also, did the kids? They basically started attacking his credibility at this point. Yeah. Also, did the kids come off as annoying to you in this part? No. Okay. <laughs> they they came off as kids, especially if there's two siblings. They will fight with each other and do and, stuff like that and compete for attention. Yeah. I mean, come on. You're a twin. I assume you would understand that. It's been a long time since I was that little, though. <laughs> the scene in the playground. There's a lot of more arguing here. He's yeah. like, it makes me look bad. And he says, I need you, Valerie. I need you to speak out. Are, are you loyal to your family or the CIA? Which is always a very helpful thing to ask. Yeah. He also brings up her dad. Is that what your uh, Sam Plame or whatever his rank was? Then she, he brings up like the fact that like I, I can't tell if you're lying to me now or if you've been lying before. It's like, oof, this is not helpful, Joe. It's no wonder their marriage is... In trouble on the rocks they, right now, yeah. Yeah, they spell it out more later. But I did think it's interesting. He asks, did you send me to her? Ah, so even yeah. he isn't sure. And how would now he know? he's not, yeah. Yeah. And so the news is all over this report. Reporters are swarming their front yard. News reports are saying, like, that, oh, she was, from what I've heard, is you know, she was a mediocre agent at best. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, lady? It's the news. It's, it's uh, the right-wing news. Things haven't changed that much. Uh, it, it angered me. Mm-hmm. 
it's one thing to report on what you know, but then just take these and just spin whatever into whatever you want to say. It's uh, it just uh, it aggravates me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Joe is sleeping on the couch. Oh, I didn't notice that he slept on the couch. That was a good observation. Yeah, so that's why he's claimed like he comes to grab a pillow. It's like I'm just gonna borrow get this pillow, okay? Mm. And that's what she tells Joe about this exercise during training. I assume at the farm. Yeah, I think she even says at the farm. Okay, mm-hmm. I missed it. Missed it. Well, she did say that. Or they take everyone, like separate them. You know, put a you know hood over their head, and you know deprive them of sleep. And you're supposed to break like they give up the names of the other people and. One mm. by, it's supposed to test your breaking point. And one by one, everyone breaks, but she didn't. Not our hero. Not our protagonist. So, you ever see the movie Recruit? Oh, I was thinking of Training Day. <laughs> oh, no. no, I don't think I've seen the Recruit. Okay, well, they have an exercise like this. So, I'm but, sure. But it looked like overblown to me. I was like, that seems like not something they would actually do. But, huh, apparently, if this is telling a, the tr- an actual event or if this is something made up for the movie, who knows? This is stuff like this in a lot of spy movies. It also made me think of V for Vendetta. Ah, uh, yes. Very, That's like very a classic so. example. Yeah. So Valerie takes her kids to their parents. Her parents, yeah. yeah. Well, Joe stays at home and she's like, takes them over. She cries, like breaks when mm-hmm. she's brushing her teeth. Yeah. And, and then scene. we get this crazy Oh my God, scene. this scene. I was just, <laughs> ugh, woman. That, mm-hmm. So. At a business lunch, like Joe, like we, they even dropped the line earlier in the playground where that Joe was like his business was struggling because you know all his you know, clients have dried up because he's out there in the news and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily want to deal with have to deal with the aftermath of it. Right. He does have this business lunch with these two clients. Goes to the bathroom for like just a minute, and there's this reporter who's at their table talking mm-hmm. to his clients, saying that he's a traitor and that his wife's a fantasist and. He will stab you in the back. He stabbed our troops in the back, and is like, mm. and he's like saying you need to leave. He like blows up at her. He doesn't just well, say you to need to be leave. Fair. Well, he says you need um, to leave, and then he brings. She brings up his wife, and that's what he his top just goes. Yeah, he, he says but, shame on you. You call yourself fair, a reporter. I'm, I'm with him at this point. I mean, it's true. She was yes. out of line, but we also have had, in fairness, in the past few years, we've had the thing of. Right wingers being harassed at restaurants. True. I I don't necessarily support that. Like I don't. If they're just there with their family, I don't necessarily support that. Yes, this is also different because it's messing with his livelihood. Yes. In the words of A Train from the Boys, you don't screw with the money. I don't know if you watch the Boys. Uh, I do not. No. Oh, okay. So then he leaves, and then he gets immediately recognized by the taxi driver. Yep. So the question is, is like, is their marriage over? Mm-hmm. Is Valerie going to speak out? And so at her parents' house. Her dad is teaching the kids how to you know, use a lasso. It seems like the dad has Alzheimer's or something. I did not get that impression. Because he, when they're doing like the, well, first of all, when he's uh, when she's watching the kids outside, she asks her mom, "How's he doing?" As if okay. implying there's <laughs> that. And then he's like looking at the birds. He's like, "I used to remember what the names of those were, but I don't anymore." Okay, the birds one, I could kind of see that. I think I might have missed that. And the way she asked the mom, how is he doing, is a very point like, well, how's he doing with the illness kind of thing. Mm. But it's not really important, but it's just like a drop thing there. We find right. out that she's talking to her dad about how there's going to be another congressional investigation and Joe wants her to go on the record. Her dad gives her this heart-to-heart talk about you know, how his marriage was in trouble, but you know they just stuck by each other. And mm-hmm. she's like, I don't know how this is going to end. But she gets inspired by her daughter, who's not, you know, trying to last on, is going to keep trying it until she gets it, basically. Valerie sees a news report. She's still at, home, at her parents' house. Uh, Scooter mm-hmm. Libby was indicted and supposed to get three months in prison and a, and a penalty fee. And maybe even up to 30 years, it says. Is that, okay, yeah. So this is interesting about movies versus real life, because this is real life, and she did nothing directly to get him facing justice. Yeah. Whereas I feel like in a fictional movie... It would be her testimony that'd be the clinching matter or something like that. Go to Joe alone at the house, and he's also watching the same news report, and he like he goes into the hallway and sees Valerie's still there. Joe says that Scooter Libby's going to take the fall, probably has a deal in place, so he'll get pardoned. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get the line of, you know, they take all of this, I don't care. They do not get to take my marriage. It's like yeah, Oscar-worthy moment. <laughs> I don't know. Did this did this moment work for you? You could say I, no. 
I was feeling the emotion of the moment until yeah. she was like, you don't get to take my marriage. I was like, they don't want your marriage. <laughs> they wanted me to stop talking. Yeah, okay, okay. So we're on the same page. <laughs> I like the emotion of the moment, but that line just didn't work for me. Like, And I don't think it's that they literally want to take her marriage. It was, it's, it's, it's more metaphorical. It's, you know, they're going to... She, they don't, they don't get to take my marriage in terms of they don't get to ruin my life, basically. And what we have is ours. And like they could have, I don't fault the portrayal or like her performance. I fault the screenwriting here. Yeah, I also wonder if maybe it's like a gender thing where it's like, oh, leave it to a woman. The marriage is the most important thing, not speaking the truth or whatever. You mean that's affecting our judgment of the scene or? No, I think that might have been what the writers were thinking. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that. The opening tagline that we said at the beginning of the episode where it's like wife, mother, spy. The gender side of it, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We go to Joe is at an- another crowded lecture hall and he get, he asks, you know, all right, so who knows the 16 words that George Bush said to start the Iraq war? Mm-hmm. And like, no one raises their hands. And we didn't know it either. Nope. <laughs> who knows? who my wife is and everyone raises their hands and he's like okay so we have to ask the question of when did it become less important about why we started the war and then uh, why is my wife in the news and as he's giving this big speech you know it's, uh, we see Valerie on her way to do the congressional hearing and as she's in the cab on her way she's wearing the scarf which I think she wears later in her Vanity Fair so this is going to Spy Fact or Spy Fiction later she wears the iconic looking scarf that she wears in her Vanity Fair photo shoot. So okay. she's wearing that in the cab, but when she gets into the actual uh, congressional hearing, she's not wearing it. So I was like, did they just throw it in there because everyone knows the scarf? Yeah, probably. It's like Indiana Jones' hat. <laughs> yeah. We get her you know, sitting seated at in, in the uh, hearing. We end the movie with her about to speak, and it transitions into actual footage. I did like this. That was cool. What? Have you seen the On the Basis of Sex, the R- RBG movie? Is that the one with the girl from Star Wars? Yeah. yeah no, I know. Anyway, so there's a scene at the end of that movie where she's walking up the steps and then it transitions to her, to actual RBG at the top mm-hmm. of the steps of a Supreme Court. So I was waiting for like one of those moments where it would be. I thought it was they were going to do that thing, like, because it kept panning up from her or panning, like, showing the back of her head, not showing her face. Mm. And so I thought, in one of these moments, it's going to go, and it's actually her, that real oh. value claim. I thought that was going to happen. But I like the way they did it, where they just cut it, and then you get to the credits, and then it's in the sidebar of her actual testimony. And I, did you listen to her, her, whatever they played, the entire part? Yeah. I but don't know how much they much. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, I served the CIA, and I love my country, and I had to come and speak, et cetera, et cetera. We get the title, the classic title. Oh, yes. The where they are now or what's happening. Always now. my favorite part. Yeah. It says Libby was convicted, but then his sentence was commuted. Yep. Richard Armitage was the source of the leak. So I guess that Novak guy must have been the one to write it, not the one to leak it. So yeah. sorry about that. The two of them live in Santa Fe today, which is actually not true. Well, but the movie no. was made back in 2010. So yeah. Joe Wilson has since passed. I think he passed in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And they got divorced. They got divorced in 2017. Morning. But she does still live in Santa Fe because she ran unsuccessfully for, I think it was a Senate seat. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the end of the movie. Do we want to yes. go into our spy fact versus spy fiction? Well, do you, my understanding is you have a story about meeting <laughs> Valerie Prime. Do you want to say I it do. now? Or uh, you you know, yeah, let's, let's go for it now. So actually also involves one of our friends of the show, number one Spy Fi Guys fan, Sarah, who's again... Mm-hmm. Guested on the show for Sergeant Stubby as well as oh Austin for Austin Powers, Powers right? Yeah. Anyway, so this is an event held at the Spy Museum. I think she was promoting her book. So, like many former spies, she went the route of all right, I'm become a spy novelist now too. And she has, mm-hmm. I think, at least two lightly fictionalized version of herself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she was doing a book tour for it. She had a promo at the Spy Museum. I asked the first question, which was about you know what did she think of her portrayal by. Naomi Watts in Fair Game, and she was like, basically, kind of gave a non-answer that was just like, you know, well, I live in me, and like, it's hard for me to see my own characteristics on, so like, until it's hard for me to judge. Mm-hmm. But she did mention that her husband and uh, John Pan have a similar intensity, shall we say, and that they had a, a bit of a bromance going on. So it sounds like it was pretty good casting. Yeah, yeah. And so our friend Sarah. T- Asked the second question, which is basically about what does she want her legacy 
to be at the agency. This was a ticketed event. So we I bought, I bought like four tickets for me, my wife, Sarah, mm-hmm. and her then boyfriend. And her boyfriend was running late. So, so yeah, Sarah asked a question about what uh, Valerie wants her legacy to be at the CIA for both a- agents and analysts. So she's making direct eye contact with Valerie Plame. Valerie Plame is giving this great detailed answer and like giving keeping that eye contact. Sarah's ex-boyfriend is late, runs, is, walks up, and doesn't see that she's making eye contact with Valerie Plame. Just kisses her, like interrupts the eye contact, and you can see Valerie Plame just go, "Whoa!" <laughs> I'm face palming right now. <laughs> and he's like, bro, breaks eye contact, looks anywhere else. Uh, it's just, and Sarah's just like mortified, like, what are you doing? Stop. Not in front of my hero, Valerie uh, Plame. Does Valerie <laughs> Plame have anything to say about it or just the uh, whoa? She did. It was just not. She like, I, I, so the interview or the book event is on the Spy Museum's YouTube. I tried to pinpoint the moment. It's hard to tell because there is, but I feel like there is a moment where she like, you just see her eyes go to whoop and then like look somewhere else. I'm not going to look that up. My life's too <laughs> awkward normally. There's a song that the band, the Decemberists made called Valerie Plame. When I got one of her books signed later after the event and I asked her about it, she said, oh yeah, actually they told me about it. And then I was, I was like, it's, it's very flattering. Not everyone has a song named after them. Yeah. All right. So what do you have for spy fact versus spy fiction? I have quite a lot. And right. unfortunately doing spy fact versus fiction made my head hurt because I couldn't <laughs> okay. figure out what was this real is, and what story was... is like lies upon lies upon lies. Mm-hmm. So I used two Washington Post articles. One is Hollywood myth making on Valerie Plame controversy, which was okay. an editorial board by the Washington Post. All and right. then also Fair Game gets some things right about the Valerie Plame case, some wrong by Walter Pincus and Richard Leiby, also See. for the Washington Post. Okay, yeah. So Pincus and Libby says the movie holds up, it's thoroughly researched and essentially accurate, albeit with caveats. Right. So for example, the White House responded to Wilson's op-ed through its senior officials, disclosing the identity of Valerie to at least five journalists to discredit him, including pushing the story, yada, yada, yada. But the one who ultimately disclosed it was a State Department guy named Richard Novak, not the White House. But hmm. I feel like a critic of the Bush administration would say, it's all the government, man. They all work together, man. <laughs> the White House and the State Department are all on the same side. Now, the Washington Post editorial board was much harsher. It says okay. the movie is full of distortions, not to mention outright inventions. Interesting. Okay. Most notably, everything about the scientist extractions is, quote, simply that, false. I've seen that, yeah. In reality, as, quote, Miss Plame did not work directly on the program and it was not shut down because of her identification, which I guess makes sense because even if she did work it, she wouldn't be able to talk about it. True. Like, we wouldn't you know? actually know. They wouldn't declassify. That's the problem, I think, is that with something like this, especially if it's so recent, like, okay, Cuban Missile Crisis, something like that, their thing has been declassified. It's been 50, 60 years now. So we can actually tell, all right, what actually happened. Whereas, you know, this is mm. still, what, 17 years ago we still don't know the full facts of it. Well, even with Munich, we didn't know the full facts. That was true, in the true. 70s. Yeah. Okay. Also, Valerie did work on Iraqi WMD, but not in the central manner she's portrayed in the movie, not part okay. of the scientific program. The Washington Post also disputes the claim that Joe was a whistleblower. They say, quote, investigation by the Senate Intelligence Committee found that Mr. Wilson's reporting did not affect the intelligence community's view on the matter. Interesting. And okay. official British investigation found that the statement in the State of the Union, Britain believed that Iraq had sought uranium Niger, Niger was well-founded. Interesting. So, yeah. And I guess they do bring up the British port in that press briefing where the press secretary is railroaded. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember where I found this. It might have been the Watch Post again, but it said that the Vanity Fair photo shoot was yeah. a, quote, a PR debacle for them. Really? Because at that point, the public had never seen her picture. It shocked uh, their supporters and undermined her support from colleagues within the CIA. She later apologized to them. Interesting. That Vanity Fair thing was famous also because I think the scarf, mm. at least was in the old Spy Museum location, like right in the briefing center. But I don't know if it, I haven't seen it in the new museum, but it is there. It is famous. Yeah. Yeah. The whole Vanity Fair thing was made me scratch my head because I was like, you're supposed to be this brave, truth-telling whistleblower, and Vanity Fair makes it look like you're in it for the publicity. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay, so I have a couple more things. Scooter Libby was indicted on five felony counts of making false statements to federal investigations, perjury for lying to a federal grand jury, and obstruction of justice related to illegal leaking by government officials of these identities. He was acquitted, whatever. Okay. In September 2017, Flame tweeted a link to an article that said, oh, America's are. Jews are div- driving America's wars. Repeating the title in in her tweet, amid criticism, she claimed many neocon hawks are Jewish. But then within two hours, she deleted and apologized. Other people have noticed that in the past, she's made jokes about rich Jews and tweeted articles about conspiracy theories about Israel being behind the 9-11 attacks. Oh, oof, not good. Now, I know you like Valerie. I like her, too. I guess the lesson here is don't meet your heroes and don't follow them on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, not great on her part there. Well, well, it bothers me, and the reason why I bring it up okay. is because it'd be bad enough she was some random person who said it, but she right. worked for the CIA. Mm-hmm. Okay, and she's given a level of credibility there. And right. then she's like, I'm a brave truth teller, exposing government secrets. So come on, you have to be a little bit more responsible than that. Yeah, I can see your point on that. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not making any statements about Valerie as a person. I'm just saying, delete your Twitter account and also follow us on the SpyFi guys on Twitter. <laughs> All right, that is it for fact versus fiction. For All right, me. so should we move into our favorite quotes? Yes, would you like to go first? Sure, I've got a few. All right. I've got, and then two of these are basically from the same part. Uh, it's in the uh, meeting of the joint task force with Tube Guy. Mm-hmm. In fact, he said that the only thing that was similar between his tubes and the aluminum tubes is that they were both made of aluminum. Uh, and also, basically, they're your tubes, and if we don't let you win, you're taking them home. <laughs> yeah, the also, tubes. Ah, <laughs> uh, the tubes. From Valerie to Joe, saying, you can't compile intelligence from a single source. That's not until intelligence. That's an opinion. Is that true, though? I mean, you want multiple <laughs> sources. If you can. But that doesn't make a single source an opinion, but I'm not going to argue with the <laughs> operative. She knows what she's talking about, except when it comes to Jews. Okay, sorry, I'm going to let it go. All right, what do you got? I like right in the beginning, she says, right now, you have no idea what we can and cannot do. Oh, right, yeah. That was to the nephew. Later, there's a kind of intense scene where one of the VP's men is like, how sure are you that Iraq doesn't have weapons of mass destruction? Is there any chance you're wrong? Well, who agrees with him and everyone raised their hand he says who doesn't agree like who who here is going to tell me what i want mm-hmm. and then the last one is with the taxi driver no. the taxi driver says i'm from freetown isn't it great and joe says you and i both know freetown's a shithole oh all right so that is it for quotes time for our ratings on a scale of one to ten martinis one being the avengers and 10 being even better than Valkyrie, which is our current highest rated movie, how would we rate Fair Game? When you say the non-Marvel Avengers, it's... Yes, the 1997 Avengers that we did in our Swingin' 60s Spy Summer. Check it out if you're curious. So I can go first with Fair Game. This movie really held my attention. Yeah, okay. And I thought the acting was really good. I thought the conflict was really good. It had really good momentum. I couldn't really always understand what was happening. Mm-hmm. But it's because it's more of a character-driven movie that didn't right. really bother me so much. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was pretty good. I will give it 7 out of 10 martinis. All right. And I'm just going to go a tiny bit higher than you. I'm going to give it a 7.5. I didn't think it was quite up to an 8. Because 8 or 9, that's where we go into like our best-rated stuff. But... It was really good. I liked, yeah, you know, like you said, it was a very much character piece. But it did actually have intel, like real spy stuff in there, like in the beginning or her working on the uh, the scientist program. Although that may or may not have happened in real life, mm-hmm, as it turns out. Yeah, but I would say, like, yeah, the and the way it's done, it really brought me back to that time, Iraq War, because I think I was in high school at the time, so I was trying to actually pay attention to the news and figure out what, and you know what's going on in the world, especially post nine eleven. And so it really captured the essence of that time. When did this movie come out? It was... Uh... 2010. Okay, so seven years. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, like, what's the quickest turnaround from, like, actual events to movie that we've had? Oh, that we've had? I don't know. But I think we talked about how they made a movie about the Titanic with actual Titanic survivors oh, as actors. <laughs> Breach. When did Breach... 2007. Uh-huh. When did the actual that's... events of Breach happen? That's pretty darn close. Yeah. 
All right, so that was about like yeah, six years afterwards, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's actually even closer than Fair Game, which was about seven years. Yeah. In that moment, I guess it's maybe a little easier to replicate the times because it was only a few years ago. But now, just watching it, I guess the even the choice of music in the, the intro just really brought me that back to that time. And portrayals were good. Naomi Watts, I think, it did a good job as well as yeah, like I said before, Joe Wilson is seemingly very similar to Sean Penn. So the portrayal was there, and like I said, all of the you know th- baggage, the emotional baggage we carry of an actor worked in his favor. Yeah, it was a good choice for a movie. I had never heard of it, so great pick. Despite the boring title, it ended up really <laughs> exceeding my expectations. All right, well, thank you for joining us. As always, you can find us on social media, The Spy Fi Guys, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are The Spy Fi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to The Spy-Fi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.